There's something down in the heart of every human being that whispers the existence of God, like a shadow that almost makes the perceptible outline of a figure. Some psychologists even suggest that from birth we're hardwired to believe in God. I've heard it said many times that there are no atheists in foxholes, meaning there are moments in life where even if we don't intentionally or purposefully believe in God, we still cry out to Him. The problem for many is that the response of God is all too silent. They suppose that God's silence is an indication of His absence or His non-existence altogether. They believe that proof of the existence of God would be their ability to summon God at their whim, to stand at attention before them and to grant their wish like some genie in a bottle. So when God doesn't respond when they call, they take that as proof that He doesn't exist. But for those that know their God, those who have not seen yet believe, their confidence is that the God of heaven is always near, that He is the provider and the sustainer of all things. They possess a belief that no matter how deafening the silence is after their prayer, their Heavenly Father has given His word that He does hear the cry of His children and that He will answer as He sees fit. But there are those times when we as believers long for God to come and show His power for all to see. We want the equivalent of a high noon center of town in the middle of the street showdown. There are moments when we want the great God of heaven to enter the scene of our world and like a flash stretch forth his mighty power to put to naught the evil that threatens us and all right in front of the eyes of a gawking world. Admittedly, that doesn't happen often. For the most part, believers walk by faith and not by sight. But in the annals of history, there are those times when God does bear his arm and reveal his mighty power for all to see. Moments like the account from the life of Chinese evangelist Watchman Nee in the early 1920s, where God worked in such a mighty fashion that an entire pagan society was shaken to its core. I'm Ronnie Brown, and this is Forgotten. Watchman Nee was born on November the 4th, 1903. Before he was born, Christianity had already made inroads into the towns and villages of China. Nee was born to second-generation Christians. Before he was ever born, he was already dedicated to God. His mother prayed to God that her baby would be a boy, promising, If I have a boy, I will present him to you. Later in life, Nee's father would remind him, saying, Before you were born, your mother promised to present you to the Lord. Watchman Nee was a bright and highly intelligent student, often placing in the top of his class. He was ambitious and from all outward indications would have a successful and prosperous career. But in 1916, Nee was impressed when his mother came home from a revival meeting and expressed a heartfelt apology to him. In a recent domestic situation, she had unjustly punished him. He was so taken back by response that he determined to go to the meeting the next day. After coming home from the meeting, Nee was powerfully moved. Of the experience, Nee said, Previously, I had laughed at people who had accepted Jesus. But that evening, the experience became real for me, and I wept and confessed my sins, seeking the Lord's forgiveness. As I made my first prayer, I knew joy and peace, such as I had never known before. 
Nee proved to be a quick learner and grew greatly in the Lord. It wasn't long before Nee was preaching and doing evangelistic outreach. It was during the early 1920s that Watchman Nee was dealt a heartbreaking blow. Several brethren that he had been serving the Lord with informed him that he was no longer welcome to worship with him. At that time, the Chinese government was already placing pressure on Christians to make compromises to their faith. These brethren knew that Watchman Nee would never do that, and they said it would be easier for them to minister without him. Nee was heartbroken and relocated to more familiar surroundings. Nee tried to move on and continue his work, but was deeply depressed. That's when a friend by the name of Faithful Luke came to visit him. In a time of fervent prayer with Faithful Luke, they both sensed that God was saying to them, Leave your problem with me and go and preach the good news. Soon after, Faithful Luke received an urgent message from a close friend, asking him to come and preach in a pagan village where she worked as a midwife. It was a small island off the coast of China called Mihua. These two, Faithful Luke and Watchman Nee, took five Christian brothers and began to saturate the island with the gospel. They were zealous and enthusiastic in their gospel endeavors. But after a week of intense labor, there were no conversions at all. In general, they were simply ignored by the townspeople. Coaching Lee, the youngest member of the group, was frustrated by the disinterest in his words. He shouted out to the villagers, What's wrong with you? Why don't you believe? A voice in the crowd said, Oh, we do believe. We believe in our great king, Ta Wang. He never fails us. When Cochin questioned the people further about this god, he learned that every year on January the 11th, they held an elaborate festival to honor Ta Wang. They took this massive idol from its temple and paraded it through the streets. They feasted and rejoiced and made music and worshiped this idol. They had done this for 286 years, and Tai Wang had always provided them with beautiful weather on that day. It had not rained on January the 11th for 300 years, they boasted. Cao Ching saw his opportunity, and he hurriedly shouted, Then I promise you that our God, who is the true God, will make it rain on the 11th. The crowd took him up at his challenge. Say no more, they replied. If it rains on the 11th, then your Jesus is indeed God, and we will be ready to hear him. Watchman had been preaching in another location when all this took place. So later when he heard the news, he was initially disheartened. He was even tempted to rebuke the young man for being so rash. The 11th was just two days away. But he stopped himself, and he took the matter to the Lord in prayer. Lord, have we taken this too far? Should we leave this village lest your name be maligned? As he prayed, deep within his heart surfaced the words of 2 Kings 2.14. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Watchman was convinced that God would make the skies do what they had not done for three centuries on January the 11th. He was so sure that he took this challenge to the street and broadcast it all over town. The following day would be a showdown between these two gods. The morning of January 11th was greeted with a cloudless sunrise. Nee watched villagers go about their day with unusual speed, making preparations for the pagan festivities to come. Nee went down to meet the others for breakfast. Tension was in the air among the seven evangelists. Watchmen simply bowed to pray over the morning meal, saying, Father, please accept our prayer as a general reminder 
that you promised to answer the challenge of this demon God today. And even though not a cloud appears in the sky, we trust in your promise. And before he could say amen, raindrops could be heard striking the roof. The people of the village persisted, choosing to simply ignore the rain. They hurriedly hoisted their heavy shrine onto its platform and began to carry him down the slippery streets. And as they walked, they could be heard saying, Tai Wang, stop this rain and defeat this Jesus. About that time, the skies opened up in a torrential downpour. The rain fell so hard and so fast that flash flood ravines began to develop throughout the city. Before long, the water reached the level of most porches in the village. Water rushed down the streets where the pagan priests were carrying Tai Wang, and as determined and as stubborn as they were to hold up their silent and stiff god, the water was too much. One of the priests slipped, and down came Tai Wang crashing onto the street, breaking its head and left arm. Watchman and his six co-workers laughed with delight and joy. This was a miracle, and God had bared his arm and showed himself strong. The priests rushed their god into a nearby home for repairs. Later, after the rain had stopped, they emerged with some important news. They made a proclamation that the city had the date wrong. The celebrations were to be held on the 14th at 6 p.m., not on the 11th. Watchman Nee knew that this challenge was no match for his God. He prayed confidently, Lord, give us good weather until that very hour, for there's much to do. And for the next three and a half days, Nee's team preached with great boldness on street corners and in marketplaces. More than 30 villagers received the Lord as their Savior, translated from the darkness of this pagan worship into the glorious light of Jesus Christ. And the weather? It was gorgeous in those days. That is, up until 6 o'clock on the 14th of January. It was then that another deluge soaked the city of Mihua. And the floodwaters of that day broke Tai Wang's bondage on the people of that island. Scores of people came to know Christ in saving faith. And a strong New Testament church was born on that island in that hour. The consternation and perplexity that Nee had carried in his heart was overcome with joy and confidence in God. Nee was strengthened in his faith by this manifestation of God's power. Eventually, that strength of faith would give him grace to spend 20 years of hard labor in a Chinese prison camp. He was arrested in 1952 because of fictitious charges fellow laborers were coerced to make. But make no mistake about it. He was imprisoned for his faith in Jesus Christ. Watchman Nee was scheduled to be released in 1967, but was detained in prison until his death on May the 30th, 1972. One cannot hear the story about what took place on that day with Watchman Nee and his six other companions without thinking the account of Elijah on Mount Carmel in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah challenged the priests of the pagan god Baal, a challenge that consisted of two altars to be made and two sacrifices to be given. And the God that answers by fire, he is the one true God. All day the prophets of Baal called and cried out to their God with no response. Then Elijah prayed a 63-word prayer, and fire came from heaven in a flash and consumed the offering and the altar that it rested on. 
The God of then is the God of now. He is unchanged and undiminished in his power. And whether he answers by miraculous power in the public showdowns of our lives or he does so in the unseen background, we are to trust that he is there and he jealously and tenderly cares for his own. Elijah made a probing statement to the people witnessing that showdown on the top of Mount Carmel, a statement that ought to echo through the chamber of our hearts and challenge our faith in everyday life. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Forgotten is written and produced by me, Ronnie Brown. You can find out more about this show at ForgottenPodcast.com. And as always, thanks for listening.